Well, good evening, guys. Um, hope you're enjoying it so far. My name is Rich. I'm one of the leaders of the church, um, and I'm going to talk to you about Christmas. No surprises there. Um, I'm quite happy to discuss Christmas because I am a big fan of Christmas. There's loads and loads of good stuff, and for your benefit and edification, I've enumerated some of them right here. Number one, time off work. Very nice. Good. Number two, family, friends. You get to spend time with the people that you love and you care about. You get to go to Christmas parties. There's Christmas decorations around, which is also nice. There's Christmas presents, which is also nice. And, of course, there's Christmas dinner, which is outstanding. (laughs) And one of the key highlights of the year, best meal of the year. However, despite all the good stuff about Christmas, there is someone who often gets missed out at this time. I think there's a central figure that I don't think I've seen on television very much over this Christmas. I certainly uh, haven't seen many decorations and certainly not as many cards featuring this person as you perhaps would a little while ago. I'm talking, of course, about Father Christmas. The clue's in the name, people, isn't it? Father Christmas, you see? Anybody who would sign his name Mr. Christmas is bound to be a key figure about Christmas. So we're going to talk about Father Christmas, and hopefully it's going to be useful to us. I will be honest, I'm also going to talk about Jesus, who I know some of you thought I was going to talk about the first time, but I want to talk about them both, really. And I don't want to talk about Jesus in the annoyed Christian kind of way. There's a kind of a, a way that Christians sometimes talk about Jesus at Christmas time that's a little bit cheesed off. You know, they, they, oh, it's, it's all about Jesus, that you can't have Christmas without Christ. Well, actually, you can't have Christmas without Christmas. Father Christmas, you see? I don't think Jesus has got a monopoly on Christmas. I don't think it's his exclusive territory. He wasn't born on the 25th of December, for starters. That just got picked up along the way. I remember someone very pleased, uh, kind of tearing down my Christian faith, saying, oh, you see, he wasn't even born on the 25th of December. And I said, I know. No one's thought that for about one and a half thousand years. Tell me something I don't know. I think Jesus is important, but he hasn't got Christmas in his name, has he? Whereas Father Christmas has. So it's a swings and roundabouts kind of thing. Jesus and Father Christmas have got a lot in common as well, haven't they? They've both got beards. They're both generous. (laughs) They both like giving things to people. They've both got special powers. They've both got a reindeer-powered flying sledge they use to travel around the world. That last one's not true. That was to try and catch out the people who thought, oh, I know what's going on here. He doesn't have a flying sleigh. Not that I know about. Uh, Anyway, because of this kind of similarity between Jesus and Father Christmas, you know, we can blend them all into one in some sort of generic Christmas guy. You know, who's that fellow? The beardy guy who comes out at Christmas and tells everyone to be nice. Oh, so what's his name? Well, it could be either, couldn't it? Actually, they're not that similar. And what I'm going to major on for the next couple of minutes is how different Jesus and Father Christmas are. Now, I'm not going to do the obvious ones. The fact that Jesus doesn't have a reindeer-powered flying sledge. That he doesn't have a red and white costume. But what I want to do is pick up on two things that make them very, very different. And I need to give you a spoiler alert here. Seriously, if you've got kids in the room and they, or even you hold, shall we say, certain beliefs (laughs) regarding Christmas, this might be a good time to cover the ears or even take them out. I'm not joking, it's all coming out tonight. 
So if your kids hold certain beliefs, this might be a good time to take them to the loo for about the next eight minutes. If you don't, I can't be held responsible for the consequences tomorrow evening or Christmas morning, okay? You have been warned. Any adults who feel the need to leave, <laughs> you, you can leave also. I, I recommend taking a kid with you so it looks like you're doing a parent a favour, okay? But I know what's going on, really. Okay, ready? Two things that make Father Christmas and Jesus very, very different. First one, we need to separate fact from fiction. No intelligent, rational, serious person today believes that Father Christmas exists. He's not real. I found out as a young child, someone spoiled it for me. It was my brother. <laughs> I remember him very clearly. I was getting everything ready for Father Christmas. He goes, he doesn't exist. He's not real. I said, he does. He said, he doesn't. It's dad. I've, he, says, I've, he said, I've stayed awake and watched him. He just comes in, put some presents in. It's dad. First shattered any childhood uh, dreams. Blame your parents for not taking you out earlier. Many, many people think that Jesus is like Father Christmas in the sense that he's not really real. He's a bit fictional. He's kind of a bit of myth. A bit of legend, there might have been some Jesus guy, but a lot of myths and legends have kind of built up, like a snowball rolling downhill that gets bigger as it goes. People added in bits that they wanted him to be like, and and, and centuries later the church thought, wouldn't it be useful if we said this about him? And so we've built up this picture of a kind of fictional Jesus. The fact is, Jesus was really real. There's loads of good, solid, historical evidence for his existence for who he was, for what he did. And actually, it's worth digging into it. Take the Christmas story that we've heard read to us from some very familiar passages. Even people who never come uh, to a church one end of the year to the other, maybe that's you. You're probably even familiar with some of those passages because they come out over and over again at Christmas time. And we kind of think of them almost like a fairy story or a little, just a little traditional tale that we tell. That's not the case. Take some of the people in it. Augustus, it said there was a census in the reign of Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus was a real Roman emperor. He reigned between 27 BC and 14 AD. Caesar Augustus decreed no less than three censuses of the Roman world. It's recorded in, it's called the Acts of Augustus. It's kind of a boast-a-thon at the end of his career as emperor, saying these are all the things I did. And one of them is I conducted three censuses of the Roman world. And he lists the amount of people that were counted in them. It was a real census. It wasn't just made up for historical kind of, you know, for a story kind of thing. Herod, who we read about later on in the accounts, trying to, trying to find out where Jesus was, trying to trick the wise men. He existed. He was Herod the Great. He was a puppet king that the Romans installed over the nation of Israel or the province of Judea as they referred to it. He reigned from 37 BC to 4 BC, which if nothing else tells us that the people that date Jesus' birth at zero got it wrong because Herod was dead by then. So technically we're a little bit out. Bethlehem, it's a real place. It's not a little made up village. It's a real village. It's a couple of miles outside Jerusalem. It's still there. You can go and visit it. One of the people we uh, read about in the other accounts that we didn't hear today, I don't think, is Quirinius, the governor of Syria. 
the gospel writer bungs in a little thing. This was the census that happened when Quirinius was governor of Syria. There really was a Quirinius governor of Syria. His name was Publius Sulpicus Quirinius. He lived between 51 BC and 21 AD. It doesn't sound like a fairy story now, does it? When you suddenly think these are real historical people. At all the historical points where we can verify this, we've verified it. It's not like once upon a time far, far away. We're pinning it down to history. Now I grant you that there are some tricky bits in there. Angels are tricky, aren't they? Virgin birth is tricky. But if God's real, maybe he could actually do stuff like that. It's only impossible if there's no God. If God exists, I'm sure he can make virgins pregnant and angels appear and speak to people. If he doesn't exist, of course he can't. But how do we decide whether this happened or not? We look at the evidence for it. We don't just dismiss it out of hand. Any person who wants to have genuine intellectual integrity investigates and finds out, is there a historical basis to this? Is there reason for this? Rather than saying, well, nonsense, these things can't happen. That's one of the things that I'm here to invite you to do. If you're here and you're thinking, Jesus, Father, Christmas, yeah, they are similar. That guy's right. I want to challenge you to investigate some of the evidence for who Jesus really was and what he did. We obviously want to help you for that, to do that. We, uh, we've put leaflets on your seats. There's two things here. This is tough questions. This is every Sunday morning we're doing in the new year. We're answering loads of the tough questions that people have about Jesus. Really? What is he really all about? How can God be like that? Is that going to be true? What about science? And this is a leaflet for the Alpha course that we're running in the new year, which is a great way to explore the claims of Jesus and the evidence for it. It's a kind of relaxed course where we sit around, have a meal, there's a talk and we discuss it and chat it through. It's a genuine, let's look at it and make our own minds up kind of course. It starts with a meal at Pretzai Restaurant at the top of the town in the new year. If you think, well, Jesus, Father Christmas, is there evidence for Jesus? Both of these things are a great way to check it out and find out more. See, Jesus wasn't just a nice guy. Jesus was the son of God. He came to earth as a baby. And as a baby, he would have wet his nappy and sicked up milk and all that kind of stuff. But he grew into a man who lived and died and rose from the dead so that he can reconnect us with God, so that he can rescue us. That's what the message of Christmas is really all about. The message of Christmas is you can find the reason that you are alive. You can find the point of your existence. You exist to know God, to connect with God. And that's what Jesus came to do. That's what his mission was all about. That's very different from I'm going to come down your chimney, eat some mince pies and leave some presents in a sock. They're not very similar. The second thing that makes Jesus from Father Christmas very, very different is the whole naughty or nice thing. Now, we know, don't we, that Father Christmas only gives presents to little boys and little girls who've been good. If they're on the nice list, that's okay. If they're on the naughty list, there's no presents. I have to question the accuracy of Father Christmas's method of determining who's been good and who's been bad. Because I know a lot of bad kids that, that I see on bikes and you know, with, with PlayStations and iPods and Xboxes and things. And I think, who's really checking? I, I could draw up a list myself. <laughs> Adults and children. And I said it to Father Christmas, say, I think you've, you've made some mistakes here. 
Let's grant him his accuracy. He's a busy man. He's got a lot of children to cover in one night. Let's assume there are a few mistakes. But how does he determine who gets the good stuff or not? How does he determine who is acceptable to him or not? On the basis of behavior. Who's been good enough? Who's going to make the list? Have you been good? Have you been bad? And he accepts people if they've been good. And he rejects people if they've been bad. Many people assume that Jesus is like this. They assume that Jesus is all about, right, let's see who's a good person. Are you a good person? Are you good enough? Oh, you're not good enough. Try and be better. Try and be good enough for me. And so people think Jesus styles it all as a kind of a, can I get myself on God's nice list and get him off the naughty list? And they think Christians, they think becoming a Christian, and you may even think this tonight, they think a Christian is someone who's trying as hard as they can to be good enough so that they can be good enough for God. That's not the way it is. For a start, I think if we're going to try and make ourselves good enough for God, we've got problems because either God sets the standard really low so that people like you and me can get in, in which case it's meaningless, isn't it? If the standard is everybody who's a bit worse than me is bad and kind of me upwards is good enough, that's a meaningless list, isn't it? Or he sets the standard really high where it would be appropriate for God to set the standard. People who have got genuine, deep-seated heart goodness, people who are pure of thought and motive and action and speech, people who would be happy for their whole life to be scrutinized, their thoughts and their deeds and their motives. Then we all fail, don't we? Because you and I know that our lives are not really as great as we'd like them to be. We're not awful. So either God sets a meaningless standard, or he sets the real standard, and we fail. What the Christmas message and the message of Jesus is, is not that God's saying, here's an easy standard that doesn't really matter, or here's a high standard, try and be good enough. The message of Christmas is that Jesus came and he was good enough. And he did it on our behalf. He did it for you. The message of Christmas is that God loves you. And not in a Father Christmas type of way, that if you're good enough, then I'll accept you. The message of Christmas is Jesus came and lived and died and rose from the dead so that he can reconnect you to God, so that you don't have to try and get impossibly high on your good enough standards. The message of Christmas is that Jesus came so that you could know God for yourself because Jesus was good enough on your behalf. Everything that you failed to do well enough, Jesus does well enough. All the stuff that you've done wrong in what you've thought and your motives and what you've said, Jesus has done good enough. And the message of Jesus is this is a real gift, a real present. Not something I'm going to shove in a sock if you've been good enough but something that anybody can receive by connecting with God. That's the real message of Christmas. And that's very, very different from a big fat man in a red suit. No disrespect to anybody in the choir, obviously, (laughs) there. Just being humorous. (laughs) What you find when you get this connection with God, everyone's looking around, which one? Who was the guy in red? (laughs) Finding a connection with God through Jesus gives you meaning, gives you purpose, gives you peace 
inside, gives you balance and wholeness and satisfaction that lasts beyond the turkey leftovers and the presents and the trees gone all brown and is sitting out on the drive because no one's taken it to the tip or those furniture guys haven't come and collected it. Connecting with Jesus brings something that will last a lifetime and beyond. That's the message of Christmas. So I'm going to end with just kind of two propositions for you to weigh up. First of all, if Father Christmas is real, because I did say I was going to talk about him, if Father Christmas is real, I strongly suggest that you put a chimney on your house if you haven't got one. I strongly suggest that you expectantly hang out socks on the fireplace. I strongly suggest you leave out some sherry and mince pie and don't eat them yourself. (laughs) If Jesus is real, you can reconnect with God. If Jesus is real, God loves you and wants to know you and wants to be a part of your life. And actually, you can be a part of his life. It's life-changing. And I would say, surely that's worth investigating. Surely that's worth a little bit of effort to find out, is this really true? You can't do it by staying up all night and seeing if dad comes in with a bag full of presents. But you can do it through stuff like Alpha and some of the stuff we're doing on Sunday mornings and that kind of thing, or even just chatting with us afterwards today. Is it worth looking into? I really think you should. I think that's all I'm going to say on Father Christmas and Jesus. If there's any kids in tears, blame it on your mum and dad. Thanks for listening. Happy Christmas.